Uh, I see a lot of new faces this morning, so I just want to introduce myself. My name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here uh, at the church. It is my privilege to be able to continue in our series called Living the Faith. If you are taking notes, if you are note takers this morning, the title of my message is The Importance of Influence. Uh, We are going to jump into a very specific point in Philippians chapter 2. That's where you want to turn this morning. A really big chunk of scripture just two verses this morning that we're going to zero in on in Philippians chapter 2. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Let me pray. As we jump into today's sermon, God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time of worship. We thank you for the team for leading us into your presence this morning. God, I thank you that you've already been here this morning before anybody opened the doors, before anybody turned off the alarms, before anybody turned on the air conditioners. God, you've been here preparing to meet with us this morning, God. Thank you for the words that you've been giving me uh, throughout this week, the stories and the ideas. God, would you speak through me now? not only to myself, but to each person here. Thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. In your name, amen. Now, a lot of people, when they look at this verse and you look up sermons on this passage, uh, they like to talk about working out. Uh, Now, if you look at me, I am not someone who works out a lot, and so I decided that we'd go in a different direction this morning. So, uh, we're going to talk about the idea of influence. So, influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something, or the effect itself, or the power to change, encourage, or make a difference without force. I thought I would just give you a couple of stories this morning to illustrate how I have seen influence happen in my own life, just to kind of set the tone for this morning. The first is that... In grade eight, I decided that I wanted to be a youth pastor. I looked at my youth pastor, I looked at what he did, I thought, hey, I could play games with students and go to McDonald's and get paid for it. That sounds, that sounds like something I could do and I could enjoy for a long, long time. That was pretty much the dream. So the decision was made early, but that decision influenced a whole bunch of other decisions that I made throughout my high school career. I ended up spending a lot of time at our church Burnett Fellowship growing up. Uh, I was like the church cat. I was just there all the time, helping out, setting up. But that time there actually, spending time with the pastors and the staff made me realize what it actually meant to be a pastor. And that didn't scare me. That actually uh, encouraged me to continue down that path. The decision to be a youth pastor meant that I needed to go to Bible college. I needed to go get uh, a degree. I needed to go get some schooling. Uh, But that influenced me to basically stop caring about anything to do with grades in high school. It may come as a shock to you, uh, but getting into a Bible college is not very competitive. You don't have to have a certain grade point average. Basically, you just have to graduate and have some money and be able to show up at school. And so uh, the decision to pursue youth ministry negatively influenced my motivation to work hard to get good grades while going through high school. I did get good grades in Bible college. I did promise my mom that, that once I actually went to school for something I wanted to do, that I would get good grades, and I came through on that promise. The second thing was dating Melody. 
dating Melody. When I went to Bible college, I already had a girlfriend. We had to navigate a long-distance relationship. She was in Maple Ridge, and I was all the way in Abbotsford. (laughs) So during the week, it was pretty tough. But, you know, every weekend I came home to do my laundry, so we made it work. We made it work. My time with Melody and my relationship with her influenced how I wanted to live when I wasn't with her. It may also come to a shock, as a shock to you, but Bible colleges are where a lot of people go to find their spouses. They're called, not called Bible college, they're called bridal college in a lot of places. The one benefit to having a girlfriend and to being in a committed relationship meant that I could actually hang out with anybody that I wanted to. I had a lot of guy friends that were annoyed because I actually got to spend time with any of the guys I wanted to hang out with and any of the girls that I wanted to hang out with because they could talk to me and hang out with me uh, without, without assuming I was just trying to ask them out or I was going to fall in love with them. Here's the thing about influence. Influence is important because it affects the way we see the world and how we choose to interact with it. Influence is important because it affects the way we see the world and how we choose to interact with it. I think about the decisions or choices that you make on a regular basis, and you can trace the roots of those decisions and choices to the influences in your life. You can also think about the way that you view the world on a regular basis, and you can trace that back to the influences in your life. There is a laundry list of things that we allow to influence our lives each and every day relationships, our upbringing and our traditions, social media, the news, the the physical spaces that we choose to occupy on a regular basis, even past choices we've made, and a host of other things. The issues come when we stop seeing the need to filter or regulate which influences are having the greatest effect on our lives. Or when we stop assigning value to the influence that will actually help us Uh, live full, purposeful lives that glorify God. So in these two verses in Philippians chapter 12, Paul is reminding us that there is an overarching ultimate influence found in God that that should be taking precedent in our lives each and every day. So we're going to start in chapter 2, verse 12. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, So now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Therefores, the first word in chapter 12, are very important in the Bible. Anytime you are reading your Bible and you come across the word therefore, that should be a a trigger for you to go back a few verses and see what was previously written. Paul is trying to encourage and motivate his readers reading this letter to be all in on the decision to follow Jesus. He is trying to call them to consistency, a consistency of living their lives in such a way that no matter who is around, who is watching, whatever is going on, that they are bringing glory to God. But he only has his words. This is why these verses on their own are incomplete. And the therefores are Paul's way of reminding his readers of the influence and the reasons why um, these decisions should take shape. When we go back a few verses, we find there are actually two therefores, one in verse 12 and one in verse 9. So we need to go all the way back to verse 5 to get the full context of what Paul is saying. So in verse 5, it says this, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus 
who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Verse 5 says, adopt the same attitude as Christ. And verse 8 says, he humbled himself by becoming obedient. In verse 12, Paul is going to take, talk about obedience, and he wants you to be reminded about the ultimate example of obedience that Jesus made as he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He builds on that in verse 9 to 11. It says this, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place. This is Jesus he's talking about. God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the therefores here are saying we are to have the same attitude and some, some translations even say that we are to have the same mind as Christ. The mind or influence of Christ is, is his total obedience to God. Even obedience that would lead to him dying on the cross for you and I. What an example. What a bar to set for us. Then in verses 9 to 11, he reminds us, um, reminds us that our example, Jesus, isn't just a man or some guy, but he is seated at the right hand of the Father, exalted to the highest place, that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The previous verses give so much more weight to what is being asked of us in verses 12 and 13. Our ability and desire and choice to obey comes from an understanding of who we are being influenced by and what we are being influenced to become. Verse 12 and 13 on their own is just talking about becoming more like Jesus, being obedient. And th- those are great commands, but they, there's so much more weight put to that, that call uh, by Paul by, by giving us the verses previous to that. And then our ability and our desire to do what Paul's asking us to do, to obey, come from understanding who we are being influenced by and what we are being influenced to become. The verse continues, just as you have always obeyed. Obedience is not a word that I would use all that often. Mostly I use it when I'm talking about uh, my nieces or nephews. I guess. Um, Or other kids. Uh, Obedience is about behavior. And a behavior is a product of influence. So who are you being influenced by? Who are you giving giving obedience to? How do your actions and words show others what is most important in your lives? See, our obedience should be a result of the influence that God has on our lives and our desire to bring glory to God and to point people to him in everything that we do. Verse 12 talks about right in the middle there, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. I thought of the best real-life example I could give you of this verse. Maybe you've seen a video like this before. Corbin, don't eat it yet. Don't eat it. Leave it right here. 
And when I come back from potty, you can eat it, okay? Don't eat it. I'll be right back. Don't eat it. Mommy's going to go potty. I'll be right back, okay? Sorry for the... Not only in my presence, but also in my absence. Living out what you believe, uh, I totally get what Paul is saying here. As a pastor, this line in Philippians 2, chapter or verse 12, totally resonates with me. As a pastor, I'm excited to serve the people of our church and community, to lead the ministries I'm responsible for, but most importantly, I love that I get to lead people to have a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus. But I, I can only do so much as your pastor for you and your relationship with God. My influence is actually limited. I can pray for you. I can teach and explain and preach God's word. I can talk and encourage you. I can celebrate with you or I can sit with you when you are struggling. But as a pastor, this may come as a shock to you, I have no special ability to force you to understand or to push you to take the next step in your relationship with God as much as I would want to and want you to understand and embrace the life that God has for you. My influence and Paul's influence with the church in Philippi ended at a certain point. And this is what Paul is saying that is so amazing that the Philippians are obeying, they are living their lives while Paul is there encouraging them. But what happens when he is called away, when he is not there to remind them, when he's not there to correct them, when he's not there to, to shift them back onto the path, not there to answer their questions? And this is why Paul is calling us to obedience based on presence and not proximity. Paul knows that he will not always be close by to help and encourage, but he's trying to get us to understand the ever-present presence of God in each of the moments of our lives. The relationship that is built and experienced and lived out with God's influences uh, is the kind of lives that we should choose to live. Psalm chapter 23, a very famous verse, captures this kind of relationship so perfectly. A psalm that I've heard for so many times over my lifetime growing up in the church, and yet so often I can read that verse, these verses and be reminded about the relationship that God wants to have with me. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Obedience is not an obligation, but rather done from the belief and understanding that the God of the universe is in control, knows what is best for our lives, and wants to walk with us through each and every moment. The end of verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. This verse is not a verse about how much you can do to earn your salvation. The verb work out that's used here in Paul's day would have been used for things like working in a mine or working in a field to get out as much valuable material as possible or to to yield the greatest harvest possible. God has provided us everything we need to live in relationship with him. The only thing he hasn't provided is the obedience to continually grow in that relationship. And we are constantly having to choose uh, how much we will work, how much we will mine, how much we will harvest from that relationship, how much we will allow the influence of God to, to permeate the choices and the decisions that we make. So I, I play guitar. I've played for 26 years. That means that I'm older than 26, which is very sad. Um, <laughs> When I say that, for most of you, you probably have an idea in your mind about the level of ability or skill that comes with that many years of experience. When I was younger, I listened to certain bands, I was influenced by certain guitar players, I tried to emulate their sound and their technique. As I matured as a guitar player, uh, my ability, my comfortability, and my skill uh, grew, and my instincts grew and changed, and so did my taste in music and my style of playing. I think it would be weird if I went back and grabbed one of the guitars there uh, after having told you how long I've played for, and all I could do was barely put two chords together. No one's expecting me to be amazing when I say I've been playing for that long, but I think people would expect that there would be a certain level um, of ability to play some riffs, to put together some chords, to generally not play like a beginner. In all honesty, I don't play a ton anymore, but I haven't lost the technique, the ability, or the instincts that I've built up over time. And this is what Paul is telling the Philippian church as he writes these words to work out their faith. That if you, have to, if you, are, that if you are to have a relationship with God, that you can't be content with treating it just like a, a simple hobby, being content with um, you know, continuing your relationship with God at a beginner level. Instead, treating it like something that you are passionate about, dedicated about, dedicating time and effort to work out your faith and have your lives reflect the time that you spend with God. The Lord provides so much for us. His word, the Holy Spirit, guidance, direction, comfort, love, a family to belong to, someone to talk to at any point in your day. But the only thing the Lord will not provide is the decision or the obedience to allow him to work and move in our lives. The motivation should come from the influence of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Verse 13. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. When it comes to our spiritual lives, one commentary puts it this way. It says, we are 100% responsible for our spiritual lives and we are 100% dependent on God. 
We are 100% responsible and we are 100% dependent. We are responsible for opening ourselves up to the influence of God in our lives. Influence is never forced. It only has the power to help change, encourage, or make a difference. And the leaning into the influence of what God is calling us to do is huge because we would never choose to do these things on our own. It's just not in our nature. And that's why we become 100% dependent on God's working and moving in our lives. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. One commentary puts it this way, the power that works in us is the power from the Holy Spirit of God. Our English word energy comes from the word translated work in Philippians 2, verse 13. It is God's divine energy at work in us and through us. The same Holy Spirit who empowered Christ when he was ministering on the earth can empower us as well. God's work is not in the absence of our own efforts. Rather, it enhances and assists the choices that we make to allow him to work in our lives. He works to build up our desires for holiness and to become more like Christ. He works to build our resolve to turn away from the things that would destroy our lives or hurt our lives, the sin in our lives, for those things that would keep us away from God. He, helps, he works to help us to point people to him and to reflect his good character to those around us. And yet all of these things are never forced but only established because of our obedience. So just two points at the end here to wrap things up. The first is the influence filter. The influence filter. So I have this weird sense of humor. You can ask my wife or any of my friends. Sometimes I make weird decisions because of my sense of humor. So for example, I set up these two super weird rules for myself when I started working at the church. There are three microwaves in our staff room just over here. As a rule, I have only ever used one out of three of those microwaves. I have consciously chose to only use one out of three. Even if someone is warming up their food in the microwave that I always use, I will either go back to my office or I will stand there and wait until they're done using that. I don't know why I made this rule. It just seemed funny to me, like there's three and I'm only ever going to use one. So if that one dies, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just going to bring cold, cold lunch for the rest of my time. I have nothing against the other microwaves or their manufacturers. I just set up this little rule in my head five and a half years ago, and I have stuck to that rule, and I find it funny every time I go to the microwave. The second thing is when I got to the church, when I got hired, I got a tour of the church, and if anybody's tried to walk around this church and you've never been here before, you will find it's a maze, and there is about a million rooms that you can get lost in at any given time. So I decided, wouldn't it be funny if, if for the time that I worked here that there was at least one room that I never stepped foot in, that I just never went in that room. And for five years, I held that rule. The two bathrooms downstairs in the kids' wing, uh, I never went in. And every time I would walk past, I would just laugh to myself because I'd say, oh, like, I'm never going to go in there. That's going to be, you know, no one knows, but I'm laughing anyways. I finally broke the rule for Neil because he did some renovations down there during the pandemic. He was really excited to show me some lights, and I knew that he wouldn't understand why I have this rule that I can't go in there. <clears throat> so 
So I didn't tell them I was breaking a rule. I just went in and saw his lights. And they were fine. It's all good. So. But I kept these silly little rules diligently for five years. Here's the thing. If we really want, if we really want to, and sometimes for no good reason, we can be super diligent about the decisions and choices that we make in our lives. For all the excuses or reasons or pressures we try to use to justify not doing certain things in our lives or not keeping up on things that we know should be right, they end up seeming, seeming flimsy when we have habits and rules that we constantly keep in our lives that are way less, more, way less important than what we're talking about today. So what are you doing to manage the influences that are affecting your lives? What are you using as a filter? What are you giving space to? What are you valuing as sources of influence in your life? Maybe you're not even thinking about the things that are influencing your life. You're just allowing these things to influence the decisions and choices that you make. The problem with most of the things that influence our lives, that those things are fluid. They are constantly changing. And yet there is a God who has proven over and over again to be consistent, never changing, all-powerful, loving, wanting what is best for us. And somehow we place his voice in and amongst the rest of the voices that influence our day and our decisions. Philippians 2, 16, at, the, at kind of the end of the section we're talking about today, Paul writes these words, by holding firm to the word of life. This is why Paul was so intent for anyone reading these verses to understand what he had written before, to not take verses 12 and 13 as, as their own little section. Because it gives weight and a seriousness, a foundation, and a reason why we should allow God to have the loudest and most valued influential voice in our lives. And that the descriptions we find of Jesus in the Bible would motivate us, motivate us to have a hunger to hear his voice and experience him more. The last thing is the influence effect. The true effect of God's influence in our lives should come out of our reactions. How many of you know what high cones are? High cones? Anybody? This is what high cones are. This is the industry term for the plastic ring things that hold your six-pack of pop cans together. When I was in elementary school, yes, a long time ago, my teacher... Uh, my teacher taught us that if we didn't take these after we, you know, were done taking the pop cans off and cut open every, every opening, that somehow, if I didn't cut them open before I threw them out, that a fish or a duck or a bird was going to get caught up in one of them and probably die. That's what my teacher taught me. Well, as a kid, obviously, I didn't want to be the one that caused something to die, and so I would make sure every time we had, uh, I came across one of these at church or at home or even at a friend's house, I would see someone throw it. No, 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 I'd go grab the scissors, I'd cut open all of, the, all of the holes and make sure that it was good before I threw it out. The reason I'm telling you this is because the other day, not, not even a week and a half ago, we got back from vacation and we had a six-pack of pop from our trip. And we were going to put them in the fridge. And so I took them off of the plastic ring. And without thinking, I went over to the drawer that we keep our scissors. And I took it out. And I cut, while I was talking to Melody, I cut open all of the rings. And then I went over to the garbage can and I threw it out. And then when I was going back to put the scissors in the drawer, I just stopped. 
I stopped and started to think about what Paul had wanted for his church in Philippi, to know God and to believe in him so much that their lives just reacted in a way that glorified him. That their actions wouldn't be a result of wondering whether or not they should do a thing or, or something else, but would be based on a deep-seated belief that God loves them and cares for them and that his word is trustworthy and effective in directing their lives. I believed the story that my teacher told me all those years ago so much that still, 30 plus years later, I don't even think about what I'm supposed to do. I just go to the drawer, pick up the scissors, cut the plastic rings, and throw them out. Because I don't want fish, ducks, or birds to die because of something that I did. The point for Paul is that the effect of God's influence would be shown in our reactions. So how does your life reflect what you believe? What do your reactions show about the influences in your life? Paul wants God's influence to take such deep effect that it comes out in the day-to-day actions and decisions in our lives. The way that you treat the cashier at the grocery store the way that you do your job, the way that you are around your friends, not just your church friends, but your non-church friends, the way you serve your community, the way you treat your spouse, your kids, your family, the way that you interact on social media, the way you act not just when, when someone is around, but when no one else is around. And so my prayer for you as your pastor this morning Uh, for this week is to allow the influence of God to draw you to work out your salvation and to to allow God, uh, God's voice to be valued much higher than the other influences in your life. And if you are someone here this morning that's listened to me and might be hearing some of these things about the Bible and Jesus for the first time, I would encourage you to allow God to have some space to influence you this week. Maybe try reading the Bible. You might not have one. You can ask us for one. You can find uh, a Bible digitally online, on your phone. Maybe try reading his word. Maybe just try talking to him. Maybe find someone uh, that you know is a Christian that knows God, that you've seen evidence in their lives, and ask them questions. I promise you God will always meet those who are willing to seek him out. And you can see the difference that the influence God makes on your life.